complaints against God. I mean, you can't complain against God and him not notice it. He deals with it. You don't negotiate with God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we study Numbers, chapter 17, 18, 19, and 20, as we focus on the reading of God's Word. Now, we're going to talk about this in about five minutes' time. But first, Corey is here. So I'm going to be taking a look at the challenge to Aaron's leadership that came to a head in Numbers chapter 17, right? Well, I call today's segment Moses Medical Journal because our Bible reading today deals with some ancient medical practices and procedures that were only discovered or rediscovered and implemented around the world recently. Very interesting. That's coming up in about 20 minutes time. Janice in about 25 minutes. It's our fun-filled Friday question, and it's going to be based anywhere from Leviticus chapter 25 all the way through to Numbers chapter 20. Get ready. Numbers 17 verses 1 through 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's houses, twelve rods. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi, for there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece, for each leader according to their father's houses, twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms, and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Thus did Moses, just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Surely we die, we perish, we all perish. Whoever even come near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Shall we all utterly die? Numbers chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. Well, today we're on Numbers 17, Numbers 18, Numbers 19, and Numbers 20. We're in the book of Numbers. It is amazing. And in the world today, we live among those who are willingly confronting and condemning God. They make all kinds of claims that He's not God at all, or that He is 
immoral or false. And the truth that the Bible speaks is that this all happened before among God's people, Israel of all. Number 17 explains the way God dealt with this confrontation. The 12 leaders of Israel presented their rods, their symbols of authority before God. And so did Aaron, whose leadership was being contested. The rods were placed before the Lord. And God strikingly demonstrated his decision with the budding of Aaron's rod. Godly leadership is not manipulative or evil. It's interested only in what God, the Lord Jesus Christ, says. And any leadership that deviates from what God has said, that leadership deserves to be questioned. Now, that's something we need to keep in mind today. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. This is the Bible guide. And if you don't have one, I want to encourage you to write or call for your own Bible guide or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you click on the page, it'll take you to a donate page. Thank you so much for your donations. And may I say that your donations keep us alive. And so we are not supported any other way except for regular people who decide to give to the teaching of God's Word. We're very careful to make sure God's Word is presented here. And so the teaching of God's Word to continue, it's up to you. So thank you so much for that. It takes you to a page where you can download the Bible guide exactly how we have printed it. This is very interesting. Now, as we focus on this, the godly confrontations. You know, if I was God... I don't think I would have confronted the way he did. I would have just been, you know, slam, 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 kill the people. But God is not like that. And this is very interesting. So, Father, we pray today that we would hear from your Holy Spirit, from the Word of God into our hearts. Help us to hear you as you spoke, as you demonstrated what it means for us to listen. And help us, Father, today, especially today, to listen in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, amen. Now, the Bible is very interesting. And in Numbers chapter 17, beginning with verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod, each father's house. All of their leaders, according to their father's houses, 12 rods, Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. And then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus, I will rid myself of complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. This is fascinating. See, complaints against God will not go unanswered. They will be answered. A perfect creator always answers our challenges. Now, let me tell you what God said. God said, I want you to get the rods and put the names on them. These are dead rods they're using for walking sticks and for identifying their houses and so on. And I want you to take them and place them in front of me. And the rod that blossoms miraculously, that's the one I chose. That's absolutely fascinating. 
So God says, this is what I want you to do. Well, in chapter 17, verse six, here's what it continues to say. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel and each of their leaders and gave him a rod, a piece for each leader, according to their father's houses, 12 rods. And the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now, it came to pass on the next day, literally 24 hours later, that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out the rods, all of the rods from before the Lord to all of the children of Israel. And they looked and each man took his rod. This is fascinating. From God derives all miracles. God is the miracle worker. That's one of his names. God is the miracle worker. And it is only through his permission that we have miracles at all. I know there's people who try to say, you know, I'll do a miracle for you if you give this offering. But no, no, all miracles, authentic miracles come from the Holy Spirit, which is God, the Father and the Son. Now, listen carefully. Anybody who's faking miracles, they can do it for a period of time. But God is the one who heals us completely. And that's important because that's the effort of holiness. That's the result of holiness, beloved. We need to keep that in mind. All right, let's go on because this gets even more interesting. Numbers chapter 17, verses 10 through 13. And the Lord said to Moses, bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels. I want to keep this as a sign that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Now, did you hear what he said there? It's important that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Thus did Moses, just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Surely we die, we perish, we all perish. Whoever even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Shall we utterly all, shall we all utterly die? I, th this is absolutely stunning. Um, it is absolutely amazing. To be in the presence of God is a miraculous privilege given to us by Jesus Christ. You see, that's the reason we can stand before God. The Lord has made his mark clear on those who follow him. So when we are Christians... We're not just, it's not just a cultural thing. It's not just a thing that we do. It's how we live. I want to tell you something. If you want to see a different person, then talk to some Christians who've been converted and changed and their lives have been delivered. I'll tell you, you'll see God move on them like never before. AI can't do it. You can't do it any other way. Only the Holy Spirit of God changes that person forever. And I want to tell you something. There is nobody that can do that. Not the person themselves can't do that. But the Spirit of God, I want to tell you, He can do it. 
and he does do it, beloved. So let's listen to God. Father, I pray today that you would help us to change as we give our lives to you. Welcome back to the program. Today we're continuing our trek through the Torah, also known as the Law, also known as the Five Books of Moses, and we can't help but notice all the medical regulations scattered throughout it. In fact, more than one-third of the laws in the Torah are medical in nature. And today's passage is a great example, because in Numbers chapter 19, God lays out strict protocols for how to handle a dead body. Now, unfortunately, the medical establishment gave no attention to the Bible's medical advice, and it wouldn't be till the middle of the 19th century that these important sanitation principles were rediscovered. And even after they were rediscovered, a lot of people rejected it as foolish. And because of this willful ignorance and arrogance, many more people lost their lives. Take a look. The time was May 1847. The place, Vienna, Austria. Hungarian scientist and physician Dr. Ignaz P. Semmelweis was about to make a revolutionary discovery, though it did not come without tremendous tragedy. Indeed, as the obstetrician at Vienna General Hospital, Dr. Semmelweis, along with his medical students, served in the maternity ward. However, things were not going well at all, as one out of every six women ended up in the morgue. In fact, their motto could have been admission, delivery, death though truly nobody knew why the mortality rate was so high. Desperate for answers, Semmelweis began to notice a trend. With bare hands, his students performed autopsy after autopsy on corpses. Corpses that all had two things in common. One, they were all full of pus, and two, their cause of death was the same, labor fever. After the autopsies, the students merely rinsed their bloody hands in water, wiped them dry in a rag, and walk off to the maternity ward for morning rounds. The students, with hands and clothes still stinking of rotting flesh, go from bed to bed asking questions and performing internal exams. As Dr. Semmelweis was observing these modern medical procedures of his day, he suddenly had a sickening suspicion. Immediately, he stops rounds and orders his staff to wash their hands in chlorinated water. Although they truly thought it a ridiculous notion, in doing this, the death rate fell from 18% to just 1% in only three months' time. The good doctor was right. Nobody ever imagined that deadly microscopic bacteria were responsible for such destruction. Although Dr. Semmelweis is acknowledged today as a pioneer of antiseptic procedures and even referred to as the savior of mothers, unfortunately, because human nature is stubborn, arrogant, and often rejects what it cannot see, his findings were largely ignored by the medical world of his day. As a result of this willful rejection, many more children would grow up without their mothers. 
While Dr. Semmelweis was absolutely correct about his discovery, technically it was actually a rediscovery, because more than 3,000 years earlier, God had explicitly told Moses that anyone who touched a human corpse would have to quarantine themselves from the community for seven days, as well as thoroughly wash themselves. Semmelweis was right. Washing your hands after touching a dead body saves lives. But the Bible went one better. By discouraging any contact with the dead whatsoever, even more lives could be saved, since the disease-causing bacteria was allowed to die with the corpse. Interestingly, God also gave instruction regarding birthing women. In Leviticus 12, for example, new mothers were to be off-limits for an entire week. No one was allowed to touch her. This strict isolation had important benefits, including her protection from sicknesses such as labor fever. Truly, if medical professionals had simply chosen to follow the sanitary regulations laid out in God's Word, which shows a clear understanding of microorganisms, then countless lives could have been saved. So Dr. Semmelweis was right about sanitization, but remember, this was a rediscovery since the Bible had made this known thousands of years before. And the important point to make is that these biblical medical practices weren't at all normal in the ancient Near East. I mean, take Egypt as an example. In a total contrast from the Israelites, the Egyptians mummified their dead, which was a practice that involved people putting their bare hands on and inside the corpse. Now, as we just saw, that's a recipe for disaster. But don't miss this point. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians according to Acts 7.22, and yet he didn't put any of those medical practices in the Torah. In fact, as I just pointed out, the biblical practices run counter to Egyptian ones. That's important because if these books of Moses were merely the product of a man, then you would fully expect that Moses' human knowledge would have been in there. So the fact that it isn't is strong evidence that Moses was getting his information from a higher mind. And that mind is the God of the Bible, the creator of the heavens and earth, Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't know him as your personal savior, I pray that you will today. There is no other by which you can be saved. Call on him before it's too late. And you call on God by praying to him. And the way you pray to him is very simple. You simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe today that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again miraculously. And I need you to forgive me of my sin. Help me, Lord. And he will, if you're serious about it, he will definitely help you. That's for sure. Janice or Corey, excuse me. All right. Well, I'm going to be taking a look at numbers 16 and 17 today, because in in these chapters, we see uh, people rising up against Aaron and not being satisfied with, uh, you know, him and his sons being the priests that are intimately involved in the in the coming and goings of the, the tabernacle. Uh, and so they, they challenge Aaron's leadership and, and God has them through Moses set up uh, almost a contest where they have um, staves that they set up in the presence of God and they wait overnight. And when they come back, Aaron's staff has budded. Now, just, you know, us from the 21st century, looking back and reading, we can tell, you know, something different happened to Aaron's staff. So obviously that's a good thing. Obviously that's God's choice. But why would it have been uh, almond buds and uh, seeds that sprouted? Let's take a look. Almonds became an important symbol for Israel very early on in the nation's development. After the Exodus, Moses received instructions to build the tabernacle, a portable sanctuary where God would meet with the leaders of Israel. 
The lampstand of the tabernacle was made to artistically represent an almond tree with its detachable lamps shaped as stylized almond blossoms. Then, when faced with dissatisfaction over Aaron's leadership as the high priest, God miraculously caused Aaron's staff to sprout, bud, blossom, and produce ripe almonds overnight. This was a clear symbol of God's choice in priest, but also carried a decidedly stern warning with it. The staff was kept in front of the Ark of the Covenant as a sign to the rebellious so that they would not grumble and die as a result. The almond-bearing staff of Aaron became a warning to all who would strive against God. The almond tree appears again in the wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes 12, a chapter that's describing the end of life and encouraging the reader to remember God before the time when the people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Commentators often remark that due to the almond tree's white blossoms, this may be referencing graying hair. But in this context, it may also reveal the almond's association with coming destruction. This association is again revealed in Ezekiel 7, which is describing the end of Israel. Verses 10 and 11 say, See the day, see it comes, doom has burst forth, the rod has budded, arrogance has blossomed, violence has arisen, a rod to punish the wicked, none of the people will be left. The blossoming rod of Aaron has again made an appearance, this time not just as a warning to the wicked, but because in their arrogance they have not heeded the warning of the rod, it now carries with it a sure punishment of sin. Almonds make another significant biblical appearance in Jeremiah chapter 1. During Jeremiah's call to become a prophet, God converses with him. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. There seem to be two things going on here. First, God's using a play on words because the Hebrew word for almond sounds like the Hebrew word for watch. God is watching to see that his word is fulfilled. Jeremiah sees an almond branch. However, given the previously established symbolism of an almond staff as a dire warning from God, this also perfectly sums up what Jeremiah's main prophetic message will be. Judgment was coming to Judah because of their rebellion against God. So there we go. When we look into some of the, the cultural details and, and biblical details uh, and, and see how that, that plays out throughout the rest of the Bible, there's a lot of uh, you know, deep meaning that we can uh, discern from the Bible. So it's a case for looking closely at the details, that's for sure. And it's fascinating that the, the almonds and all that, that's fascinating because God speaks through all the details in mm -hmm. the Bible and we need to understand that. And uh, it's very, very interesting. Now. Tell us about the weekend program, you and your husband. Yeah, okay, so Matlock and I are doing uh, Bible Discoveries, the weekend show. So it's on some television stations, but it is always released on our YouTube channel, which is just my name, Corey Babechko. And we uh, take a look at all of the assigned reading that uh, you know pertains to each week. And we discuss questions that naturally come up as you're reading through the scripture. Uh, and we also answer viewer questions as well. Uh, and another thing that we put out is I do a 10 minute week 
weekly recap of all of the readings. So if you've fallen behind, you can watch that 10 minute you know, clip on YouTube and get caught up so you can start fresh on Monday. Yeah, that's really good. Look forward to that. I, I watched that program myself. It's excellent. So that's the weekend program on your uh, YouTube, on YouTube site. Yeah. So that's excellent. And also we're on, it's on the uh, Bible Discovery TV as well. Janice. Yes, the question. Our fun-filled Friday question coming your way anywhere from Leviticus 25 all the way through Numbers 20. All right. And so, I can't say a thing, can't give a hint, can't do anything. You're not allowed. I have to just sit here. You've been sidelined. I'm going to need to find my <laughs> no whining sticker. I feel the need to bring that back again. All right. Fair enough. Which I've had at least two people ask me about that. Back to the question. Offerings of carts and oxen were given and to be distributed to the Levites, each according to his service to God. Which of the following groups were not given any carts or oxen because their service was to carry the holy things on their shoulders? All right, that's a long question. Here are the answers. Number one, the sons of Gershon. Number two, the sons of Merari. Number three, the sons of Kohath. Each group were to be given ox and carts, but one group did not because theirs was to carry the holy things on their shoulders. Do you too and do you at home know the right answer? I think Ryan so. And Corey? Yeah. I had I had you know a, a, a tribal clan name in my head, and I was hoping you would say it because then it would verify mm. what I was thinking. Tribal mm -hmm. clan name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's what they are. So I, I was thinking the Kohathites. So that would be number three. And that's a tribal clan name. Yeah. Okay, yes. Of good. the Levites. Right. Yeah, it's like a sub clan of the Levites. Yeah. I care. Right. Right. Barrowites. The Kohathites. Yeah. All right. That's 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 what I think. That's Is she correct, saying. Janice? I concur with that. You concur with that? Yeah. All right. And you at home, if you've had a chance to think on that, maybe you disagreed with Corey and Ryan. Well, here is the right answer. Numbers chapter 7, verse 9 says this, but to the sons of Kohath he gave none, because theirs was the service of the holy things which they carried on their shoulders. So if you answered the sons of Kohath, you are absolutely right. Congratulations, the Kohathites, <laughs> yes, or the yes. sons of Kohath, you got it. And the tribe of Levi, it. of course, did not have inheritance in the promised land, but they were given cities, 48 cities, six mm -hmm. of those cities were mm -hmm. the manslayer cities. And uh, that's a very interesting study. All right, very good. Well, let's get ready because we're getting, uh, coming up on the part where people have written in their prayer request. So here it is. I want to invite you to come to Bible Discovery TV and watch the program anytime you want. BibleDiscoveryTV.com is the place where you can see the program. We're always there. So whether you miss it on television or something else happens, just go to Bible Discovery TV. All the programs are there and you can watch it. Right now, let's pray. Father, 
help us. I, I, I desire your daily presence in my life. So I pray, Father, that I would hear you in Jesus' name.